Welcome back. It's another installment, another episode of the Benchmark Podcast. I'm here with my brother, my bro, Miles underscore 81. Still not worry underscore zero, which is me. You already know the vibes. Uh, We're going to get straight to it. Uh, first off, how you feeling all today, bro? I'm good. Just trying to get used to this cold weather that hit us with no warning, so. Word, fall didn't even get you a chance to, like, get your clothes. It just, hey, we hit it. Yeah, before I could unpack all my hoodies, it was cold already, so. Hey, all men, protect your hoodies, man. Hoodies get stolen during the season uh, heavily, so protect your hoodies. Uh, unless you're married like me, where I have no choice, but I digress. Uh, Kobe Covington, um, UFC fighter, he won his match. Um has been outspoken in his support towards Trump and what Trump stands for and make America great again, uh, supposedly, even though we know that's false. He came out with a quote after his win, LOL at the snow fix that believe King James could even last 10 seconds with me. If that coward had the balls or the ability to kick anyone's ASS, Delonte West would have lost his teeth long before his meth habit. He called him a spineless coward, and he said that the only true people that were making a difference were the first responders, uh, the military. They keep them safe, not these woke athletes and the spineless cowards like LeBron James. Thoughts on his comments, his choice to use his platform that way? And we know, of course, Donald Trump supported it, gave him a call, said he was proud of him. What's your takeaways on this one? Um, he doesn't really seem like he's that educated in everything that he's talking about. Like, it's not just about these athletes being woke. It's being about speaking up when smaller people can't speak up for themselves and also having a voice and using it in situations like this, not for the way he's using it, but to better change and create change throughout the country and the world. But he took his platform and attacked LeBron, who I don't know if he's ever mentioned this guy's name before, but that would be coming out of left field I'm waking up and seeing somebody talking crazy about me like this. And then to bring up Delonte West is a little messed up because, I mean, yeah, he's had his issues, but, I mean, there's no reason to come he at ain't got nothing. He has nothing to do with this situation. Yeah, he has nothing to do with this. Like, he didn't say anything. He, I don't think he's trying to say anything to create any issues, but this guy clearly has an agenda. And, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who – share his opinion towards things. And clearly he's a Trump supporter. So this close to the election, I mean, just creating headlines that kind of would help Trump, I guess, in a way is what he's trying to do, but it's, it's not a good look, especially for the UFC. Cause I mean, we already don't really, watch the UFC like that, but if you want to really alienate everybody, come come for uh, King James. <laughs> That's how yeah. you 
he's definitely pushing the narrative of Donald Trump and those who believe that the athletes are going about it the wrong way, who believe where you have like the sheriff who basically insinuated that LeBron James was inciting and supporting violence. He's been getting hit outside of basketball left and right with <laughs> different people's opinions and people not agreeing with his stance on Black Lives Matter. Um, this is just what our country is at. This is where, again, even the more importance of voting, the importance of why Black Lives Matter when you have people who have a platform also who decide to use their platform this way to push this narrative um, that even the athletes, they obviously still don't get it with, oh, let me mention that the, you know, the people that fight in the Army and the Navy, that they're the real heroes and people keeping it safe. Nobody ever said they weren't doing that. Yeah. Nobody ever decided to take a knee because they were going against the flag and what the flag stands for and our people that fight for us daily to have our freedom rights, to be able to protest, to be able to do these things that they're doing to try to make change. Nobody ever said that. So it's just another instance and another example of how people still don't get it, how this is where it's like, in a sense, you just focus on those who actually want to learn, who actually want to make change. You know, the people that are asking questions like, what can I do to be better? What can I do to understand your plight and what you go through? Those are people that you focus on. These are the people that they literally, you can give as much evidence. They've seen the videos and they just don't want to understand. So you can't even put any time, energy, and effort towards them anymore. Mm -hmm. You just kind of shake your head and just like, hey, this is sad. Maybe hopefully one day you wake up, but with statements like that and statements what Trump is saying, that's something root, definitely grounded and rooted in their personality their beliefs so that's that situation like i said lebron getting hit left and right even with the whole thing with the sheriff um who he has enough on his plate anyhow with vanessa bryant suing him and all the issues going on over there so back to you know they want the athletes to just shut up and play and being that they aren't you don't see nobody saying nothing to this guy nobody coming out no politicians really, you know, but hey, be yeah. quiet. Nah, it's, it's completely different when a black athlete speaks up on what's been an issue for for centuries. But I digress because we could go on and on and on with that conversation. But we talked about it on Saturday. We were unsure if the Celtics were able to make any leeway any chance of you know making it a series they started the process in doing so by winning Celtics won 117-106 takeaways from that game so that game the Celtics that was a good matchup I mean they got out to the lead and this time they didn't they didn't let the the heat really climb back into it they they really they really came out it was like that argument between Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and the discussion with the team, it almost energized them and made them realize, all right, let's, let's get it going. Like we're a good team too. We don't need to look back at those first two games. They happened. We, we lost while we were up. Let's not make that same mistake in game three. And they didn't because 
every time that he tried to make a run, the Celtics just kept going. And I think what helped is having Gordon Hayward come back off the bench, which is where he should have been from the jump. But it also it gives you that that really good player off the bench that can come in and give you good minutes while you let Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and some of these other guys get a breather. And sometimes even in the flow of the game, you could mix and match and have it. You could do like a small ball lineup with, with those three and Marcus Smart and Kemba and do it like that. But I think it was a good start. Tonight should be a good game, I think, because this is like a must win for both teams. Miami wants to go up 3-1 and the Celtics really want to tie the game up and basically eliminate that 2-0 deficit that they were in. I think it was huge. Jalen Brown stepped up. Um, I think they made sure that they put him in positions to score, which is what I was saying. I think because of how Miami was playing them defensively, it kind of took Jalen Brown out of the flow of the offense and would put him in situations where he would kind of force it, would try to make something happen because of the position he was at based off how the defense was playing him. But with Jalen Brown having 26, Tatum 25, Marcus Smart 20, Kimba Walker 21, if they could have a game consistently like that where they're – it's kind of spread around evenly, where they're getting 20 – if you get all four of those – 20 points each, I think that's hard to see, you know, Miami beating them. And I think then we'll have a chance of them making it a series because winning the game made it 2-1, but it still is just a start because Miami could come out and make it 3-1. That's it. I think they they don't have it in them to come back from 3-1. Um, Gordon Hayward gave some good minutes. Uh, he's still, you know, obviously getting back in the flow of things. I just think it's a little too late. Um, I see Miami winning tonight. I see them coming back out, uh, making adjustments. Eric Spolstra has been making adjustments this whole playoffs. Uh, I don't foresee a game where you get Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler, you know, not getting 20 points, not really playing well. I don't see that foresee that happening again. So I think that's – it was a good win so they don't get sweet. But Miami and Fog, um, they'll end up wearing the series. We transition to this Lakers series where the other team is a team that actually has done it twice already, come back. Win last night, 114-106, Denver wins that game. Takeaways from that game um, – do Denver have a better shot of making this a series, maybe tying it up? Um, what's your takeaway on Denver and how they play? I think they always got a shot, as they've shown in the playoffs, that this is kind of their M.O. They they get down, and then it's that fight or flight. It's either you're going to fight to stay in it or you get knocked out the playoffs. And that was a good showing last night because the – the lead was pretty pretty big going into the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden the Lakers just kind of hit a groove, and they really almost came back and tied the game up, which I didn't think was going to happen. I thought I was like, all right, this game's just about over. They haven't shown really that they're going to come back, but then they did, and 
then the Nuggets had to kind of regroup. And that's where you see, like, Jamal Murray take over a little bit. You see Jokic making plays. And Jeremy Grant was big in this game, too. He had a, a huge game for them, something that probably is the difference between them winning and <laughs> losing and going down 3-0. So I think that was a good start for them. They need to keep it going on Thursday. Hopefully that – I don't know. I, I want the Lakers to win, but I do see the Nuggets as a, a threat now. They were always a threat, but, I mean, now they kind of have a little momentum going into the next game. Like, they they had some momentum coming from game two because they did come back in that game and almost win. And now they they blew out the Lakers in this game, so – yeah, when it when you hear them after the game saying they believe they should be up 2-1, that's not something you play with, with a team like this who really obviously they play well off of, you know, confidence and, hey, we got a rhythm going and we got momentum. You gave them momentum. I didn't see a killer instinct. Was it me or did it seem like they didn't have energy? Like it seemed kind of like they were just on cruise control. Uh, I'm not sure because the Lakers that that usually doesn't happen like they don't fall off like that but I think that it was it was good that the Nuggets in the Nuggets sense not for the Lakers it was a it was a good thing in the Nuggets sense that they were able to withstand any of those those runs because I mean most teams seeing this Lakers team come back and and really push it to like a one possession game after being up 20 basically with like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. It it would give me a little, a little juice, a little extra juice going into game four. I think the Lakers need to take this day and, and really see what they did wrong for the first three quarters. Cause then that fourth quarter, that was when they played how they should have been playing. But you can't really – it's tough to come back from deficits when you're battling all game because they were really losing that whole game up until the end when they made a, a comeback, but we'll see. For me, I felt like they were low energy the whole game. It didn't seem they had that same urgency. Obviously, Denver was desperate. They seemed like the more hungrier team, I'll put it that way. Um, something that was real, real – uh, bad that can't happen again for the rest of the playoffs. They were out-rebounded, um, and the only person to actually do somewhat rebounding was LeBron with 10. The closest person had four after that. So I, I can't see AD having two rebounds and coming out afterwards. Uh, it just it didn't make sense to me. You're, you've been in the league – for a minute now, for you to come out and be like, I got to rebound better, wasn't that – shouldn't that be, like, number one priority anyway? How do you end up at 6'11", 7 feet tall, two rebounds? And his first rebound wasn't really till I believe, the fourth quarter at the 550 mark. That That's – That's not good. That makes no sense to me. Um, and this has been – AD is great. But this has been always my thing, like, this whole season. 
for me, I don't feel, and people was getting on Chuck, I don't feel AD always consistently has that killer instinct. Even the game that they won game two. First half, he did not play well. Second half, he came out and did well. Imagine you doing that the full four quarters. Because everybody, ain't, ain't nobody messing with AD. Ain't nobody guarding AD. And can't nobody stop him. He's too fast for bigs, too strong for you put a, a guard on him or a forward. He has the fadeaway. He has a jump shot. He has handles. Be a killer all four quarters, bro. This is especially for a team aspect. This is LeBron's best chance for seeing we don't know what they're going to do in the offseason in regard to free agency, but this is their best chance of getting a championship. Next game, they need to come out and remind Denver that they're a superior team because now you just gave them confidence. And if they win, even if they win next game, it's still you still have to close it out. Um, they come back from 3-1. They're a scrappy team. They're not going away easy. It's point blank, Jake. Y'all went up 2-0, and really they should have lost that game. They're a scrappy team. They're not going away. They don't care that you're LeBron James, Anthony Davis. They actually believe they can win. You don't give a team like that confidence. Even the last game, the, uh, not everybody saw this, but something that was – more Kobe like, they hit the game winner. Everybody celebrated. Who wasn't? Rondo. Rondo walked off the court, wasn't jumping with the team because he know. It reminds you of that interview they had with Kobe in the playoffs. Hey, Kobe, you're not smiling. For what? We ain't done. Yeah, exactly. It was good in the moment, but at the same time, you got to keep your foot on the pedal. Like, you can't let off and I mean, if you celebrate, it's good to celebrate because that was one of those moments that <laughs> that could have been like a defining moment in the series if they lost. And now now you're like even with the Nuggets. But at the same time, like they're professionals, so they should be able to like, if they did celebrate like that, come back the next game and not let it exactly. carry over. But who knows if they were still riding that high from – that game went a shot or not, but it did come out flat. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like you said, professionals. Um, and I could get it in a sense being that AD has not had the playoff experience, you know, like a Kobe, as act like you've been there type thing and finish it out. Like that would have been, I think, something more to celebrate, something more to get happy about is if they came out and smacked the next game now they up 3-0, and they're like, look, game three, we come out. We want to let y'all know it shouldn't have been that close. It won't be that close again. Let's put our foot on their necks. But they'll still close out the series. I just – Anthony Davis, for me, just wants me – he leaves me wanting more. Like, I feel he could, could average Shaq-like numbers in regards of 30 and 14-type numbers. Yeah, in some games. So I think that, yeah, he needs to be the guy on this Lakers team, I feel like, because every time he's the go-to guy, stuff happens and he's more energized and all that stuff. I don't know what happened last night. Like two rebounds still doesn't make any sense. But game four, he needs to 
play like a, a man who possessed. Possessed, yeah. Transitioning, um, Billy Donovan and OKC decided to part ways out of the whole coaching carousel and all the coaching candidates that's out there right now and the teams that need coaches. The Bulls are one of the first teams to actually fill their vacancy. They decided to hire Billy Donovan as the coach. Thoughts on the Bulls hiring Billy Donovan? Is it a good hire? Do you think it'll work? Um, do you see them maybe being a playoff team? What's your thoughts on this hire? I like it. I think it's a good hire. He's been around the block. He's coached in college. So he has that, that sense of coaching young young guys, young kids, and then he's coached in OKC where they're like contenders. So he brings that mix to the team. And with this Bulls team, that's it's a mix of like a lot of young guys with some vets, like Levine, I guess, is a vet now. But <laughs> I know. He's, he doesn't seem that that old, but he's he's been in the league a while, so he's their, their vet. But this team is really, really young, so you kind of need that guy who can really teach them what it's like to win because wherever he's gone, he's won. He won at Florida. He won in OKC. He, he's been one of the better coaches in this league since he got here. I mean – he almost lit, led that team to the finals with KD and, and Russ. So he's he knows how to deal with a lot of different personalities too. So that was the other thing. Like like Levine and the other coach butted heads. And, I mean, it's never good when you're a star player and the head coach don't get along. So I think that knowing that, I could see them having a good relationship. He already co-signed on it and said he's a really good coach. So he, he likes to hire, which that's good. But now let's see if it can translate into some wins at some point, because now that's what you're judged on as a coach. If you can turn something around and get a team to start winning that hadn't been winning, because usually that's what happens with teams looking for new coaches. They're, they're either looking for a change to see if that can like galvanize the team or that team wasn't winning anything. And now they need a coach who can help them reach that. At that uh, that area that some teams don't reach, like the Knicks. But we'll, we're we not going to talk about – we're not talking about them right now. We're talking about the Bulls, so. Uh, um, yeah, I think with the young pieces they have, Kobe White, you got Chris Dunn still there, Denzel Valentine. Uh, you got quote-unquote vets with Zach Levine there, Otto Porter Jr., you know, Lori Marketing, also a young piece. I think they'll probably be in the mix to be like a top 10 team in the East, which a top 10 team in the East is in the mix to get in the playoffs then because <laughs> the East at the bottom half is weak. So I think he'll make a, a instant impact to help that team. I think it's a good hire for them. Transitioning to the flag on the play segment, accept or decline. Uh, First one we're going to start off with, Michael Jordan and NASCAR. Accept or decline? I'm declining. <laughs> that doesn't even sound right, but. It, it doesn't sound right. But next one, for somebody that is a music aficionado, somebody that likes music, all different types of music, 
underground battle rappers, top people. Lupe Fiasco says that he's a better lyricist than K-Dot, except for the climb. I'll accept it. I do, I do, I guess, agree that he could be a better lyricist than Kendrick. But at the same time, the lyrics that he's spitting, nobody really cares about. Like Kendrick, he's spitting and everybody's listening to it. Lupe, he's got some fans or, I mean, are they still fans? I don't know what new music he's putting out, but I don't know. It's different when you you got bars that just aren't hidden for everybody like Kendrick's do. Like his means something more. Like he has albums like To Pimp a Butterfly and what was the other album? Uh, uh, Lupe did come out and say with his tweet, he did mention though that, is Kendrick a better artist? Yes. Is Kendrick have a better music career? Yes. Is he next in line? Yes. He just felt he was a better lyricist. Um, I would definitely have to turn to you in that regard because I didn't really listen to Lupe outside of the one song that everybody knows, Kate Push, that outside of that, I didn't. You had a superstar. That was a that was a good song. I didn't listen to it, um, which I think you know says your point. I listened to the Kendrick song before I listened to Lupe. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard him on some features. He he has lyrics, but if he drops new music, that's not the album that I'm going to listen to unless I see a tweet by you or others like, "Yo, this album's fire." Besides that, I I just won't listen to it. Um, next one we have. Hugh Jackson and his WAP remix. Accept or decline. I'm declined. <laughs> I don't even know, want to know what that that means. His WAP remix. Whoa. We're moving on from that. Um, last one we have on here. A lady is having her wedding and on her invite. She had a monetary ladder level determining what type of food you would get served. Act, accept, or decline. Hold up. Say that again? What? So the lady sent out her invitations, and it was a monetary, like, level. So level one, two, three, four, depending on what you decide to give as a gift, determine what you had to eat. Wow, that's interesting. I never thought of doing something like that. Um, I guess I'll accept it. That's 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 a different way. That's that's one way to create some enemies out of friends. Exactly. Doing that. Um, so I'll read it to you. It was four levels. It's a loving gift, silver gift, golden gift, platinum gift. For the loving gift, if you gave up to two hundred fifty dollars, you could get roast chicken or swordfish, $251 to $500, you could get steak or salmon, golden gift, $501 to $1,000, lobster tails or filet mignon, and the platinum gift, you had to give minimum $1,001 to $2,500 plus, and you could then have a two-pound lobster with champagne. And it is only at this level at the platinum level, if you are vegetarian or kosher, that you can have that option. If you gave anything below that, you are not allowed to eat vegetarian or kosher. Wow. 
that's uh <laughs> that's messed up like that means you have to give a lot for a gift just to get some lobster like what if they deemed it like eh, you might have spent this much but it's only worth like 200 for me so you're getting the salmon it's like what I, I bought this for the lobster minimum minimum you starting off at 250 i was like that's 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 interesting I don't think I would have done that um, at my wedding. That's kind of that's kind of a little a little messed up. Hey, if you're not bringing two fifty minimum, you not don't even worry about me yet. Just, just let me know. You guys let me know to give, and I think I would be the one to finesse though. Yeah, I'm gonna give about like two k. Nah, I get I get paid Thursday, so once I get paid, I'll send you the, the gift so I can get my lobster. I think that's just a interesting approach that this lady had for that transitioning we're gonna go into of course week two nfl we're gonna recap some of these games uh what were your biggest takeaways from week two how the cowboys got so lucky this week. so lucky literally the dumbest ending to a game i've ever seen like that the onside kick is just rolling. It's not even – it was like a perfect onside kick in the sense that if nobody's going to try to touch it, then, yeah, that's going to go 10 yards and you can jump on it. But it hadn't even gone 10 yards yet. The, the Falcons could have just jumped on it, ended the game right there. But they were just standing next to – it was like they were holding hands, standing next to each other, waiting for it to go 10 yards before – they're like, all right, now we could jump on the ball, which <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Like, the receiving team can touch it at any point. They just have to recover it. If you touch it and snap yeah. past 10 yards, then the Cowboys can get it. But if you're just going to sit there and wait and watch it go 10 yards and then you try to go after it, that's, that's how you lose games like this. And the Falcons, they've lost a lot of games like this. Like, I was talking trash to one of my friends who's a Cowboys fan. And he was like, yeah, good thing we're playing a team that blows leads like this. He said it when they were down, like, by, like, 20-something. And in my head, I'm just like, yeah, okay. This is – they're going to start 0-2. Everybody's going to point fingers at Dak. This is not – Shout not, out to him. Shout yeah. out to him. I turned it off. I'm like, nah, this – It was this, funny because then I just gave up on the game. I'm like, yeah, Cowboys 0-2. And then I see, I'm like, wait, 40 to 39, they won? I'm like, oh, my God. Now I can't say anything to him because they came back and won. Yo, I got the notification that they scored that touchdown. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, they just made it closer. Next thing you know, (laughs) I'm like, how they win? How they get a a field goal out of this? That's Crazy to me. Um, takeaways, you know, Seahawks, Patriots. Seahawks was able to pull out that one again. Um, my biggest takeaway, I want to ask you, what's your thoughts on Cam? For everybody to write him off, Cam looked pretty good, man. Yeah, Cam's looked pretty good this whole first two games of the, the season. Like, he's back running it. He had another two rushing touchdowns on Sunday night. So now he has four, which is probably more than – I don't know. I don't even know if the Jets have scored four touchdowns this whole season. So there's that. 
But, um, yeah, he looked good. He was throwing it. He threw for almost 400 yards. That was a cool battle between him and Russ because, you know, the whole black quarterback is, is, is taking over the league right now. And it's good to see Cam getting a shot to show that he still got it. He never really lost it. It's hard to show you got it when they don't really put that good of a team around you and you don't really have an offensive line that's going to block for you. That, that's how you get injured. But I do like the way Cam came back. He just put his head down, waited out his time. Teams passed on him. Just He didn't really say much about it, just took it and compartmentalized it and just said, you know what, I'm going to prove all these people wrong. And he's kind of doing that right now because this Patriots team looks – like a better team than they were last year, and they made the playoffs last year, so that's a good thing. But Russell Wilson, he's looking like potential MVP right now. They, they're really letting him loose, like four touchdowns the first game, five touchdowns in the second game against the Seahawks, um, against the Patriots, and he's looked like the best quarterback on the field every time he's gone out there, best player on the field every time he's gone out there. So that was a good game, and the only – Downside was that last call with like two seconds left to just run it with Cam. I'm just like, they just they just ran that play. Yeah, and I get it. He's like your best running back. Clearly, you're running him like it. But at the same time, try something different. Like they're clearly gonna know that. All right, Cam's their goal line back at this point. Like six six two fifty. I mean, that's that'll be my goal line back too. But at least run it to the right. I just ran it to the left, like the literally the exact same play. And he was throwing dimes. Maybe give it a shot where it's a pass play, and then he could run off of it. Like I felt they should have gave some more of an opportunity with that. One more to uh, talk about. Do you have any concerns for the Chiefs having the Chargers be able to take them to overtime? without Tyrod Taylor, who did not play, and the rookie, Herbert, was able to um, somehow get them into overtime. Any concerns or just a – Not really. Like, it's, it's early still for all these teams. Um, it did help that they kept it close. Like, the Chiefs didn't play well for that whole game, really. But they kept it close. They didn't, they didn't let it get out of reach. So when they had that last drive towards the end that they could have won, they they still got in, in field goal range to send it to overtime. And then, I mean, that kicker from 58 yards three times in a row, like they called two timeouts to ice him. And the second time he just ill-grilled the sideline of the Chargers. Like, really? This is not affecting me. Like, I could do this all day. I'm and, built for this. Yeah. And then just bombed it the, the last time. It was a good showing. And, I mean, Mahomes, he showed why he's one of the best players, if not the best player in the league. Just on an off night or off day, he, he led them down the field. He kept them in it. He's making plays. Like, the biggest play of the game was that they had third and 20. And I'm thinking that, all right, if they don't complete a pass here, it's over. So they send all the receivers out, and he scrambles and gets, like, 21 yards to get the first down. Like, that was huge. Like, that could have been the game right there. They would have lost if not for that. But, 
I mean, what do you expect? It's Mahomes. He's probably the best quarterback in the league. He's always going to be there for MVP. But, I mean, he's got one already. I think he's he's thinking bigger. The same way LeBron's thinking bigger. So, we'll see. How would you rank uh, this week top five teams? How would you, you rank them? Our bench mob power rankings. That's a that's an interesting. I would definitely have. See. I think I have Baltimore as a the number one team right now. Yeah, because they've pretty much blown the first two teams out. Like the the Texans, they blew them out this past week. Um, I would definitely put Baltimore up there. I would put. No, I'm not going in order. I would put the Bills in there, too. I like the Cardinals, too. I think that they're – with Kyler Murray playing the way he is and how he's looked, they're, they're going to be a dangerous team this year. And you always got to put the Chiefs up there as well. And then to round well, out that five. I think you go throw uh, Green Bay in there. I was going to say Green Bay, but – and they do get injuries, like Devontae Adams got hurt. So we'll see what happens with that. But, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers is going to play this way, then, yeah, they got to be in that top five. Speaking of injuries, it was a lot of injuries week two. I'm going to just list some of them right here. Jimmy G, Nick Bosa, Raheem Mostert, Solomon Thomas, Tyrod Taylor, Rashad Perryman, Connor McGovern, Christian McCaffrey, Malik Hooker, Drew Locke, Paris Campbell, Cortland Sutton, Saquon Barkley, Tavon Young, Byron Jones, Anthony Barr, Bruce Irvin, Will Fuller, Isaac Sumalo. What's your thoughts on this week two? Is it just this is football? Do you think anything has to do with it being that there was no preseason, no OTAs? What's your takeaways from all of these injuries in this one week and to a lot of uh, star players on top of that? I mean, a lot of these injuries happen like freak injuries. And they – I mean, football, you're always going to have injuries. So I wouldn't put it towards like no preseason games, no OTAs. Like they were still hitting in practice. They were still trying to do that, keep the the feel of preseason going for the last month. But, I mean, sometimes you have these weeks in the NFL. Like football is not a pretty sport. So you can have – no injuries one week, and then you could have 30 the next week. It just happens that way. Like, football is a, a hard sport. Like, the Jimmy G, he got tackled around his ankles, sprained it, high ankle sprain. Nick Bosa got turned the wrong way, rolled up on. That happens in football. Like, that, that's always happened. So, I, don't, I wouldn't blame it on the circumstances, although you, you might find an argument for it, but – I'm not I'm not blaming it on the circumstances. I think that with with or without the OTAs and training camp, like we'd still be seeing injuries. We'd still have stuff like this happen. It's only rough because of the names that got hurt. Like there were some big names that you named there, like Saquon, probably the biggest name on there that did get hurt. And I mean, the guys from the 49ers, that's a lot of people getting hurt. And I've seen them complain, you know, the league's looking into it, like the field at MetLife is a new turf. So they 
I don't know. Some some of them are even holding players out. They might hold George Kittle out this week because they're playing the Giants again because of the turf because they're worried about it. But yeah, the um, NFL the NFLPA is investigating the, uh, the turf at MetLife. I know listening to a lot of NFL players, they rather play on grass. Uh, turf is always tough, um, especially new turf. If it's not worn down, breaking in, broken in, you feel me? It's, it can cause some injuries. They said. Um, which team out of all these injuries, which team do you think this impacts the most? Like you said, 49ers got a lot of injuries. Uh, the Giants losing Saquon. Uh, which team is impacted the most from these injuries? Definitely the 49ers because it was four guys that went out, two of them done for the season. So that's the heart of their defense too, that D-line. So – Seeing that, it kind of – it's a long season. So now you, you hope that depth that you have, those backups can come in and somewhat give you production the way that these other guys were given. But, I mean, man, they lost their quarterback. They lost their starting running back who had a good game to start the, the day against the Jets. So it's tough, especially for a team that's coming off of making the Super Bowl run. They were they they got high expectations for this season, and I mean they already they're adding these injuries to, I mean Richard Sherman already being hurt and Debo Samuel he's not back yet, so they just, you just got to get through it, just like with any football team like injuries gonna happen, so you just gotta next man up you gotta hope that everybody's ready, you can't have your backups not ready to play like you. Now they, they're training and playing and practicing like a starter. Like last week, they were second team. Now they're first team. Now we got to see what they can do. And sometimes it's tough. You can't really replace like a Nick Bosa or a Jimmy Garoppolo or, or Richard Sherman. It's tough. Those are like big name stars that you have. But you just kind of have to manage until some of those guys get healthy. Um, two things with specifically the 49ers, I agree that they're the most impacted from this week. Um, how do you see their goal and hopes of getting back to you know, Super Bowl happening in a division where the Seahawks are 2 0 already and the Cardinals are off to a 2 0 start? Do you see them even you know being able to make the playoffs? Their, their division is one of the toughest, and to have the two other teams already off to a good start. How do you see this impacting their, their hopes of even getting to the Super Bowl? Uh, it could affect it because there's going to be more more teams in the playoffs this year. I think they said they were adding like an extra like wild card or extra couple teams to each each side this year. So you still have to win though. So now you got to look at their schedule and see how long these guys are going to be out. Like Jimmy G, I know they said he might not even miss any time. He might play against the Giants this week. But the running backs they they lost got hurt, and now it's next man up for that, which that's the heart of their team. And they lost two of their best running backs. So now you've got to kind of change the game plan a little bit, something yeah. that you're not used to. Yeah, Especially being that the 49ers, I think, is going to hurt them is that what got them 
to the Super Bowl what gave them majority of the success was their defense. And they have a slew of defensive injuries. And I don't think you're not replacing like Nick Bosa and what, you know, what he brings to the table when Richard Sherman still being out. So being in that tough division, especially when they start getting into uh, division games with Seahawks and Cardinals, if they're not able to be healthy and, you know, you got those tiebreaker situations, this might be, depending on how long they out, this might end up being like a rebuilding season in a sense, like because of the injuries, if you Nick Bosa being out for the year, I think it's going to be huge for them. And their running backs being out, they were able to play good defense, run it down your throat, and then we're going to do some play action, not have Jimmy G have to throw it, you know, 35, 40 times. Um, in this situation, depending on they have running back, who knows how their offense is going to look. And if I don't really believe in Jimmy G throwing that many times and being able to get them some wins. Um, what are, with all these injuries also, I, I've had to make changes. I'm sure you had to make changes. The fantasy implications with these injuries. Our fantasy expert on the show, what, <laughs> what are some options and advice that you would do you know, for some of these fantasy owners who have some of these players. Like, I already had to put Saquon on, AR, on IR for me. So, were you affected by any of Not this week. I know the first week when James Conner got hurt, I was affected. But, I mean, luckily this week, none of that happened. Like, I know people who had Saquon, who had McCaffrey, who now that's, – that's a big piece of your team. That's kind of like who you build your fantasy team around. And Saquon's done for the season. So now if you didn't get one of the backups for the Giants, then you're almost like out of a, a pick. Like you lost that pick basically. And McCaffrey, they said, is out for the next four to six weeks, maybe shorter than that. But that's a big guy because he was the best player in fantasy last year. So now you're missing that guy for maybe a month to a month and a half. Like that's – I could really – make you take a hit in fantasy and might not make the playoffs after that. Cause it, it's a long season for the NFL, but it's not for fantasy football. So you gotta, you gotta really hit those waivers hard when stuff like this happens. Like I know people are pick, picking up Mike Davis, who's the backup for the Panthers picking up like Deion Lewis. And I know the giants just signed Devonte Freeman too. So, a lot of people were going after those guys to start. Just like if you need a quarterback help, the quarterback for the Chargers, Tyrod Taylor, got hurt. I mean, I just saw that he, he was getting a shot for his ribs and the doctor accidentally punctured his lung. That's why he didn't play on Sunday. So he might have lost his job because the doctor didn't do his. So that, that would – not sit right with me, but fantasy wise, I mean, Herbert looked good for the Chargers against the Chiefs. He looked like he should have been starting from day one, honestly. So this might be one of those Wally Pitt moments where it's not your fault that you lost your job, but you're not getting it back because the other guy's just playing too well to take him out. Yeah, Chargers coach already said he has without quoting him. He basically says he has such a love for Tyrod Taylor, so 
Tyrod Taylor, if he's healthy next week, from what the Chargers, you know, coach said, he'll be starting him again next week. A lot of people saying the same thing, having the same sentiment of Herbert really played well, but obviously the coach don't believe in him. So we'll probably see Tyrod Taylor back with that. Uh, last thing we want, we're going to touch on Carson Wentz has been struggling so far this year. Um, Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson hasn't really per se been struggling, but hasn't been throwing up the numbers that we're used to seeing. Who do you think uh, is more likely to turn it around? And, you know, what can we attribute to their struggles? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's funny that the worst of these three quarterbacks would be the most likely to turn it around. But I think Kirk Cousins is the guy who's most likely to turn it around. Opposite, like, he has weapons. He has Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen still. They got tight ends for days. I mean, the backup receivers are, are decent. Like, they used the first-round pick on Justin Jefferson from LSU. He's going to be good. They just had, like, a bad game. Like, sometimes teams just have bad games where they're just – their game plan is not as good as the other team's game plan for them. So, that's kind of how the Chiefs game – was like when do you ever see the Chiefs scoring 14 points through like four quarters like I've never seen that since Mahomes has played but even with Kirk Cousins like I he had his struggles last year but then he's shown that he gets hot so it's early he might still be working out the kinks too but I think that he he could really break out at some point but Deshaun I don't know. Everybody was like so high on him after last year, which for good reason, he's a really good quarterback. But at the same time, when you trade your best player for someone who's not replacing him, he's replacing a position that was fine last year. They had Carlos Hyde who rushed for a thousand yards last year. So you're telling me you're going to trade your best receiver, maybe the best receiver in the league for a running back that, I mean, hasn't been that good since 2016. It's, it's why you really don't have a coach be a GM. I mean, it doesn't really work out. So Deshaun, I know he signed that big deal, but he's got to be thinking like, damn, what have I done? Because they don't have any line presence for him. Like he's running for his life. The The receivers are just – so-so. Like, Will Fuller, he's just an injury waiting to happen. Same with Brandon Cooks. He got, he got injured. hurt. He did get hurt this week. So, And I started Will Fuller, and he put up a goose egg. And luckily, I still won my matchup in spite of him. So I'm, I might drop him. I don't know. I don't want to see him on my team anymore. He's in detention now. But um, Deshaun, yeah, I don't see him having that good of a season this year. I mean, they're going to be playing behind all year, so he might have a season, in a sense, similar to Dak. Maybe a little less because they're just playing from behind the whole time, and you really have to throw it the whole game. So, I mean, I already traded David Johnson off my team on one of my teams because I'm just like, yeah, this offense is not looking as promising as it did before they started playing games. And then you look at Carson Wentz, like how he's fallen off in a way, even though I wouldn't even put it on him because last year he was good. 
And the year he should have won MVP, if he stayed healthy, he was good then too. But, geez, like the injuries just pile up on that team. Like the receivers, like he still doesn't have Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, Deshaun Jackson is – he's hit or miss. They got the rookie receiver they drafted. But at the same time, their offensive line is just in shambles. Like the they have one guy who got, got hurt in preseason. That's – that's never good, especially like a starting tackle like that. That's, that kind of puts you at a disadvantage. And that's where they went wrong in the first game. Like they got up big, but then Washington just started putting pressure on him. And, I mean, if you can't block, then your quarterback doesn't have really much time to go through his reads and progressions and really, like, see what's going on out there in the field. So, Do you think they give a – the backup quarterback they drafted, do you think they give him a shot at some point at this season with how things are going? I don't think so. I mean, you paid Carson Wentz like over $100 million to be the guy. That's a lot to invest in somebody to already be thinking about the second-round quarterback you drafted this year. Like, he's there as insurance, and it's good insurance because – I mean, Carson Wentz has shown that he is injury prone. If it's his fault or not, I mean, it is what it is. But I don't know. He's he's kind of fallen off. Like, that MVP season where they won the Super Bowl, it would have been MVP season. But he was looking like he was going to be the next great quarterback. Like, he was going to be the best quarterback in the league best young quarterback in the league. And then all of a sudden the injuries happen and won the Super Bowl without him comes back. He gets injured again and comes back and has a, a good season. And then when they need him in the playoffs, he gets injured again. So now you just sense in this theme of like Carson's a good player. I don't doubt it. I think he's a really good player, but when like somebody's always getting hurt, it really puts your team at a disadvantage and it's it's too soon. They're not, I don't even think they're looking to move on from Carson and for good reason, just build the line, just block for him. It's that simple. Like if you give him time, he can make plays. He's got a strong arm. He's mobile, but. Yeah. Josh Allen looks good this year. Speaking of quarterbacks, he's looking granted that hasn't been top competition these first two games, but he looks good. But speaking of, you know, these quarterbacks, two of them, you got rid of their main weapons. Kirk Cousins, you got rid of Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. Eight catches, 153 last week. And then we know Hopkins is leading the league right now with 22 receptions. Dagnair almost a half a thousand yards already. Um, I think out of all of them, it'll probably be more likely Kirk Cousins, which, like we said, out of all of them, talent-wise, is the worst quarterback. But mm-hmm. he has the best opportunity to do so. Um, I don't – Carson Wentz, it, I just mentioned it. Somebody else on the offensive line got hurt this week. Um, no Alshon Jeffries. And then you mentioned Deshaun Watson. You get rid of their best weapon. And then their second best weapon, Will Fuller, is injured now. So, I don't know. Maybe I think um, out of all of them, maybe the Texans to go give a call to Des Bryant or Antonio Brown once they find out what's going on with his investigation um, and get him another weapon because this is 
this isn't going to work for him, and it'll be a long, long season. And I think you're risking injury also with how they've been protecting him. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, this is another installment of the Bench Mob Podcast. We thank you all for those who have joined. We uh, ask that you, you know, subscribe. Follow us, like all that Benchmob podcast on Instagram. Make sure that you support us on Anchor. Hit us up if you want some Benchmob gear. But y'all continue staying safe out there. Black lives still do matter. Benchmob, we out. Peace. Thursday, bro.